Welcome back, everybody, to the Know-It-All Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Jerry, the Fantasy Football Know-It-All. I can be found on Twitter, at FFKnowItAll. I hope everybody had a safe and wonderful Labor Day weekend. I know that I did. We had our flagship league draft, the League of Goons. We drafted on Saturday night. For those of you who have heard me talk about that, it is a league where I usually fly up to Connecticut to uh, do the draft in person because it is just, it's an event. It's an event that we all look forward to, especially once the summer starts and you can kind of get a feel for the football season coming upon us. And it's just good to get together, see the guys, hang out, have a few beers and laughs, and it's always a good time. Because of the COVID situation, I was unable to do that. Luckily, it is an electronic draft through ESPN, so I was able to participate. It was still a lot of fun, and I will recap how that went and how my team looks. There is a huge surprise that uh, I will go over with you as far as how my team is constructed, but we'll leave that for later. I do want to talk about some of the signings that went on in, uh, in the NFL. Uh, with the roster moves, uh, roster cuts becoming final on Saturday. All of the NFL teams had the deadline of 4 p.m. Eastern time to get their rosters cut down to 53 players. Some surprises there as well. Not a lot of big-name players, so there's not a lot to really talk about from the fantasy landscape. Before we get into all of that, however, I want to tell you guys about another podcast that I personally listen to. It's called the Morning Smoke CLT. Join my man G as he covers a variety of topics that are not only near and dear to his own heart, but that all of us can relate to in one way or another. You've heard me talk about this week in and week out. If you're like me and you enjoy relaxing with a beverage and uh, a fine cigar, a cigarette, or even a pipe, then the Morning Smoke CLT is for you. Trust me, friends, you will not want to miss it. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere that fine podcast can be found. Once again, the name of the podcast is The Morning Smoke CLT. You can follow G on Instagram at The Morning Smoke Charlotte. So make sure you give it a listen, guys. You will not regret it. All right, so let's go ahead and discuss the Adrian Peterson signing by the Detroit Lions. Now, DeAndre Swift was a highly sought-after commodity. Oh, he he did go reasonably high in uh, in the draft over the weekend, and with good reason. He's a very talented back, and I have mentioned this on the podcast before. He would be my number one, depending on situation. If if it were Swift in Kansas City right now. My goodness, I might have him at five or six. I I really, really like the talent and what he can bring to the table. But in his situation in Detroit now, this gives us pause to look back at it and go, okay, is there even a back worth owning in Detroit? I still believe that Swift is good. I think he's going to slide into that Theo Riddick role that uh, Detroit has always employed. Matt Patricia is forever going to use a, a running back by committee approach. That's the, I don't think anybody can even doubt that anymore. He is so, It's so ingrained in him from his time in New England that that's not going to ever change. This might affect Swift in one, some regard as far as early down work goes, 
but he will be the pass catching back out of this system. So in a PPR league or half point PPR, I think you're you're safe with him as a running back two slash flex. As far as Carrion Johnson's concerned, though, this is a reason to not only pump the brakes but come to a screeching halt. Johnson wasn't somebody I was targeting anyway as I feel that the the window's rapidly closing on him being an effective running back, at least for the Lions. And I think Peterson's coming in to take this early down work, first and second down, perhaps some of the goal line work. Peterson was never um, an effective pass catcher, even in his heyday. So I, I really do believe he can coexist with Swift. So those are your one and two punches. I don't think Peterson is somebody you should target heavily, but he might not be such a bad running back too on a team that's stacked heavily elsewhere. What this does for Washington is this puts Antonio Gibson in a, a an interesting situation. We've heard the rumblings from Washington as far as the uh, as far as Ron Rivera talking about this player Gibson as the next or a, a comparable version of Christian McCaffrey. Are they going to try to use him that way? And if they do use him that way, is he going to be as effective? We don't know. We don't know yet. I don't see where his production is going to be as as good as, as McCaffrey's, but then again, you just never know. I personally believe that Bryce Love is going to also be a factor here in perhaps the Jonathan Stewart role. So I think you're going to have a one-two punch here, a lot like what they had with Haskins being a mini version of Cam Newton. Is he as talented as Cam? No, I don't think he is. But this, I think, is going to shape up to be a very similar offense to what you saw in Carolina. I think the defense is really going to get bolstered over the next couple of years under Riverboat Ron, but we'll have to see how that all uh, comes to pass. Um, As far as Washington goes, I think you can use both or either Gibson, and love and love is coming at a huge discount at least right now so if you have not had a draft yet if for any reason you're having your draft right before the season starts or after the first game i know some people do that look at bryce love as a late round flyer that you can grab that might just be a running back one moving forward over the course of this season I did want to talk a little bit more about Leonard Fournette as far as he's joining Tampa Bay. Assumingly, he's going to be the number one guy there, but Ronald Jones is also there. Jones, I think, is going to fall back into the pass-catching James White-type role, though he can run between the tackles. Look for Fournette to be the one-two punch, not catching much in the passing game. So... It's a murky situation at best. I think that he loses value. I I originally thought he might gain value leaving Jacksonville. Now I think he loses value. I think he's going to be a LeGarrette Blunt type player for this team. So yes, goal line touches, and sure, he'll get the early down work, but he's not going to do much in the passing game, I don't think. And um, yeah, I'm very weary of it altogether. Although now his his... Uh, draft price is, is falling so he might be easier to get and it might actually be worth it for you so just keep your eye on how Tampa Bay utilizes these two players it's it's definitely worth monitoring speaking of Jacksonville there are reports that Devontae Freeman has visited the Jaguars and I'll talk a little bit more about Freeman when I do cover the draft later uh, when uh, our fantasy draft but I will just say this it does not seem unlikely 
that he could slide into Jacksonville as a veteran presence with Armstead being on the COVID reserve list as of right right now and just a couple of, of, of younger running backs there and Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson, of course, a pass-catching running back. So is Devontae Freeman. Just something to keep an eye on. Nothing yet as far as whether he did actually visit Jacksonville or if they're going to offer him a, a contract, but it seems like a pretty good fit unless they want to just go completely with the youth operation. Uh, Obviously, not counting Chris Thompson. For those of you out there who run a business, you're most likely using an outdated website if you even have one set up at all. That's where Bove Design comes into play. Rob and company have the tools and expertise to set your business up for success. Don't just take my word for it. Follow them on Instagram at bove.design, that's B-O-V-E dot design, and you can see their custom work firsthand. You can also check out my sharp new logo as well when you've uploaded or downloaded this podcast as it was made courtesy of Bove Design. So make sure you hit Rob, the owner, up on IG, throw him a follow, check out his work. If you're looking for graphic design work, web design or even a custom logo like the one I have. Let's go ahead and break down the draft for the League of Goons. A little background information, it is a 12-team, full PPR league with a snake draft. So, of course, you go 1 through 12 with the 12th team picking first in the second round, so on and so forth. As I mentioned on a previous podcast, I have the third pick in this draft, so in preparing for it and doing all of my mock drafts, I did not see a scenario where Ezekiel Elliott would not fall to me at at three, with Saquon Barkley going at number two, and of course Christian McCaffrey going at one. Even though you can kind of see that happening, if you are in a similar situation, you never know once that person gets on the clock, they can pivot at the last minute. So you have to be you have to be prepared to do something else. Now, I honestly was torn between Saquon Barkley and somebody like Dalvin Cook because I like Cook's pass catching out of Minnesota with Minnesota not really having a passing offense. No one can deny Saquon Barkley is as talented as he is, but I really would have been more torn there than I was grabbing Zeke. So as it turned out, the Rack City Rebels with Rob, uh, Rob Bove, listener of the podcast he took um christian mccaffrey at number one chris henderson was sitting at number two and i knew all along that saquon barkley was going to go to henderson um having had multitude of conversations with him uh regarding that so there i was at number three and to me it was a no-brainer i took ezekiel elliott with the third pick zeke has a very very solid floor he does get passing game work. Um, they do not have a passing down specialist there. So as far as Dallas goes, he's their three down workhorse. No questions asked. After I took Elliott, Alvin Kamara went at four, Dalvin Cook, five, Clyde Edwards-Alaire at six, Derek Henry at seven, Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, eight and nine. Now, interesting about Austin Eckler, we couldn't even get through half of the first round without the draft being uh, paused. And Michael Steinberg at number nine, for whatever the reason, needed to stop the draft in the very first round. And he stopped the draft to take Austin Eckler. 
So I'm not quite sure what happened there. I told him I was going to give him a little bit of crap about it, and, and I'm going to. I don't know what that was all about. But Austin Eckler was the number ninth pick by Stymie. Now, number 10, Michael Thomas, the first wide receiver going off the board. And then followed by a, another pair of running backs in Josh Jacobs and Aaron Jones. So now you had 11 of the first 12 picks coming off the board as running backs. What a difference between that and a few years back. Now, going into round two, this is where things switched up and it became more wide receiver heavy. Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, Joe Mixon thrown in there at 15 as the first running back in the second round. Adam Thielen, Miles Sanders. Now, as it was going up toward me, I was uh, it was coming close. I had there were five picks before me, and I'm looking at the board, and I was looking at either Kenyon Drake, DeAndre Hopkins, Chris Godwin. Those were the three guys I was kind of hoping fell to me, and as luck would have it, Drake went next, Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, and DeAndre Hopkins all before me. So now I'm sitting there. With Ezekiel Elliott on my team, you guys have known, as I've done my mock drafts, that here I would target a wide receiver to kind of balance things out. I'm looking at what's on the board. Kenny Galladay is the number one uh, highest rated wide receiver left. DJ Moore. Mike Evans. Allen Robinson. Cooper Cup. Those kind of guys. Now, of course, you still had Mahomes and Jackson, and you still had Kelsey and Kittle. So you had your highest-rated tight ends and your highest-rated quarterbacks still on the board. I looked at everything available to me. I could have gone with Kenny Galladay and been happy with that as my number one wide receiver. But I looked at other guys that were lower in pecking order. DJ Moore, Allen Robinson, Odell Beckham Jr. And to me, with Ezekiel Elliott on my team already, I thought it would be the best fit for my team. And I talked about this in the strategies uh, portion of the last podcast. You have to do what's right for your team. And even if you have a strategy in mind, and you know I was going with the the Crazy 8 strategy, the 0QB. No, I didn't grab a quarterback here. I will never do that. I didn't take Patrick Mahomes, and I didn't take Lamar Jackson. I went with Travis Kelsey, so I solidified now my tight end slot. I don't have to think about it. On a bye week, i got to worry about sliding somebody in there. Big deal. I do not have to worry about the tight end slot now. So Ezekiel Elliott and Travis Kelsey were on my team after round two. So finishing out round two was Kenny Galladay and George Kittle. So now we head into round three with two tight ends already off the board. So Rack City took not only Kittle, but Mahomes on the wraparound. So in rounds one, two, and three, he had Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, and Patrick Mahomes, which is interesting. It's arguably the, fir- the number one quarterback, the number one or two tight end, and certainly the number one running back. So you had the, f- the number one rated player or at least somebody in the argument for that in three different categories. So interesting way to go about it. We'll see how that plays out when I I look at the team at the end. Um, Chris Henderson took DJ Moore, which is who I was targeting on the wraparound as Kenny Galladay was already gone. So in in effect, Henderson took both wide receivers I was targeting, DJ Moore and Kenny Galladay. That was fine. As I looked at what was left, 
You guys know I talked about this. Mike Evans, I thought, was a huge bust. I still don't like him as a wide receiver one or a first or second round pick. However, in round three, with the likes of Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, Odell Beckham Jr., Robert Woods, Juju Smith-Schuster, Tyler Lockett, and company, I thought that a guy that's had 1,000 Uh, receiving yards in every season he's been in the league, regardless of quarterback, was somebody that I wanted to have on my team. So I went ahead and took Mike Evans. So if if you've listened to me, I deviated from my strategy and I took a tight end early. I did. I took Travis Kelsey and I took one of my busts in the third round. So you might be asking yourself, what in the heck were you thinking? You'll see when I, I when I read you my team at the end, it actually did work out in my benefit. I'm very happy with my team. But I did take Mike Evans in the third round for, as my first wide receiver. So after that, there was a run of wide receivers and running backs, but more so wide receivers with Cup, Robinson, Beckham, Smith-Schuster, and Woods. A couple of quarterbacks thrown in there as well. Uh, as Lamar Jackson went in the uh, in the third round, which was surprising to me that he lasted that long. And then Russell Wilson also went, um, and Chris Carson wound, uh, rounded out uh, the third. The fourth round, it was all about wide receivers here, uh, with with a little bit of other, um, a little bit of uh, uh, running back situations thrown in. So as I'm looking at my team and I have Mike Evans and I have Travis Kelsey and I have Ezekiel Elliott, I really wanted that second running back. I needed somebody to put in there with Elliott so that I didn't have to worry about it later when the drop-off was so huge. Entering round four, David Johnson was still on the board. Le'Veon Bell was still on the board. Todd Gurley was still on the board, and Melvin Gordon, all four of those. So I'm looking at that, saying to myself, okay, one of those guys can fall to me as a second running back, and I will be 100% happy. Remember the, the run of positions I told you about? Well, running back hit a run. David Johnson went at 39 overall, then Le'Veon Bell, then Amari Cooper and Mark Andrews, and then Todd Gurley which was a dagger to my heart at that point, because that is who I really wanted. Um, Two picks before mine. So now I had to pivot, which I did. So Zach Ertz and Melvin Gordon went. So Melvin Gordon was really the last in that group of running backs that I was comfortable taking there. Jonathan Taylor, Mark Ingram, Kareem Hunt were all there, but it was still too early for those guys. There's a guy that I've talked about on a, on my podcast a, a little bit here that I went with as my uh, number two wide receiver, and that's Calvin Ridley. I took Calvin Ridley in the fourth round, paired him with Mike Evans, Travis Kelsey, and uh, Ezekiel Elliott. So heading into the fifth round, Jonathan Taylor went, uh, DK Metcalf went. I was looking at, again, trying to go with maybe a number two wide receiver. Mark Ingram was somebody that I had in my mind, even Kareem Hunt. But I saw a wide receiver there that I actually like a lot, and that's Cortland Sutton. And I figured, okay, let me grab that and and put him in my flex, and then I can have three wide receivers. My wide receivers are all set. My tight end is all set. So then I can worry about getting that second running back because there were still some guys later on that I liked as my second running back. So... We'll talk more about that as the draft progresses. But that is who I grabbed there at Cortland 
Sutton, and then a run of of running backs in Mark Ingram, Kareem Hunt, Raheem Mostert, Devin Singletary, and company. In round six, Leonard Fournette went. Now, he went very low. He's perfectly fine being taken in, in round six like that without any problem at all. We'll see, you know, what plays out for him there, but I would have no problem taking him in the sixth round of any draft, really. I was in a position now where I desperately needed that running back. Now, I like I said, if somebody fell to me that I thought was going to be a better fit for my team, like if a Lamar, Mil- a Lamar Jackson was still on the board or somebody like that, then I could pivot to it. But I wasn't going to do that. Um, the guys going to me were... The guys on the board that were falling to me in regards to running backs looked like this. I was looking at DeAndre Swift, who, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, is now in a very murky situation. James White, David Montgomery, who has a groin injury. If it wasn't for that groin injury, Montgomery would have been the guy I took there. Who did I take? I actually went with his teammate, Tariq Cohen. The Bears did not add anybody. They added nobody. So if for any reason Montgomery isn't able to go, that's going to be it's going to mean more work, whether it's out of the passing game or even rushing the football for Tariq Cohen. Cohen has standalone value as a pass catching back in a PPR format that is perfect. Sign me up for that. I went ahead and took Cohen as my second running back there. And on the wraparound, keep in mind now, I had six players at this point. I had a tight end, three wide receivers, two running backs. I could have gone with another running back here. Again, I didn't really like what was on the board around there. Marvin Jones crossed my mind as a wide receiver. You know I like him as bench, as a bench stash, uh, or as a, even as a wide receiver you can play. But I already had three starters. But you know I like that depth on the, on the, uh, on the bench. There's a guy that I've talked about. Uh, I talked about him in a breakouts episode, and I also talked about him a little bit in hot takes, and that is Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray has a very strong chance to finish as the quarterback three on the season, and uh, maybe even number two. He, to me, is this year's Lamar Jackson. So in a, in a much improved offense with DeAndre Hopkins now on board, Kenyon Drake in the fold, I went ahead and took a quarterback as well. So here I was, not even at my eighth pick yet, on my seventh pick, and I had a quarterback and a tight end. So like I said earlier, it is not always about sticking to your guns and in regards to strategies. It's much better for you to pick toward what you need on your team. I felt that I wanted to go with an upside quarterback that really could not so much just give me X amount of points that I could expect, but maybe even excel and give me production beyond his draft position. Round seven, perfectly fine with that. So now I headed into round eight with uh, quarterback and tight end locked up. Most of my starters were all set, so now it was all about the bench. And I mentioned how there were running backs a few rounds ago that I was perfectly happy with as a second uh, running back or somebody that's on the bench or a flex position, and Latavius Murray fits that bill. I've talked about it before. Latavius Murray has standalone value even when Alvin Kamara is 100% healthy. If anything, 
were ever to happen to Kamara, and he has already had some injury issues in camp. You have to keep that in mind. Latavius Murray is a guy that will get a lot more work and is capable of being that number one guy for Drew Brees and company. So Latavius Murray, I fired him up without a problem at all. Uh, Chris Henderson sent me a nasty text as he was the next person to draft after me. And he took Antonio Gibson out of Washington. So I think he's got a little spark plug of his own there. Now, at this point, I was targeting guys like Christian Kirk, for example, Henry Ruggs, um, and, and Emmanuel Sanders even out of uh, New Orleans. So Christian Kirk was taken before I could go. So was Henry Ruggs. Now, Sanders was still there on the board, but I decided to go with Preston Williams out of Miami. Williams came onto the scene last year, had a really good year. He's the slot guy there. He's one of the only couple of, of folks who are going to be catching passes. I went with Preston Williams there. He or Emmanuel Sanders, I would have been happy either way, but I went ahead and, and did that. Quarterbacks and, t- and tight ends started coming off the board at this point. I still had Golden Tate on my radar as a bench guy. Um, there were a couple of other players that I also had liked to uh, uh, to to pick up. Marlon Mack as a backup running back. I don't know what's going to happen there in Indianapolis. But when it did come around to me again, I talk about handcuffing. I've talked about this time and time again. If you have Dalvin Cook, if you have now Clyde Edwards-Alaire, if you have Ezekiel Elliott, if you have Todd Gurley, there are running backs, Saquon Barkley, although I'm not quite sure who his handcuff is. These are guys that, if they get hurt, you know there's a, a guy that's going to come and, and, and just slot right in there. Alvin Kamara is another guy. Like I just talked about Latavius Murray as a handcuff. You need to handcuff some of your high investments. I took Ezekiel Elliott with the third pick in the draft. I needed to protect that investment. I did so with Tony Pollard. I know that Tony Pollard will get the bulk of that situation if anything happens to Zeke. So now I went ahead and solidified that. I was very happy with it and moved on to the next round. Ironically enough, I took another handcuff candidate in round 11 with Alexander Madison. I just looked at what was on the board around me. You guys know I'm not a believer in Curtis Samuel. I already had a quarterback. I'm not a believer in Robbie Anderson, not to beat on the Panthers wide receivers, just not interested. Michael Pittman Jr., I will pass. Chris Thompson, eh, maybe he could have been a guy at that point. I wouldn't have been unhappy with that. I went with the upside guy in Madison. If anything happens to Cook, Cook still doesn't have a contract. I said, okay. Madison is a guy that will get the work, and he may be he may even have some some value on his own. It was a dart throw. I don't care. I put Madison on my team. I was happy about it. Now in round 12, I needed some wide receiver depth, and Larry Fitzgerald was sitting there. I know he's a million years old, but every single year he catches a ton of passes. Most of them are around the goal line. And he gets his share of touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins might have something to say about that this year. I don't know. But I believe that Fitz will act as a safety blanket for Kyler Murray. Perfectly fine to put on my bench and just have him there in case of an emergency type situation. Round 13, I took a guy that I normally shy away from. But in round 13, I took 
who could arguably be the only healthy wide receiver in Philadelphia, and that's Deshaun Jackson. With Jalen Rager set to miss maybe four to six weeks, Alshon Jeffrey on the pup list, or at least he's not available to play at the moment. I don't know what to make of J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. There are guys there that I just don't know really what to do with. Deshaun Jackson, you know what you get. Yes, he's boom or bust, but he's the only healthy guy there. I think he's going to get a lot of action early on. So again, this is just about bench depth and see what happens there. Paris Campbell was another guy I was looking at because I liked him a lot. Um, As I've mentioned before uh, for Indianapolis, I think he's going to be a good gadget player there. Uh, Jarek McKinnon uh, was a guy that I said you can get late that might actually be a good pass-catching running back for you. I wasn't ready to pull the plug yet on that, so I didn't. And then we went ahead, and um, in the later rounds, I just took Naheem Hines. Then I took a kicker in Will Lutz, the Saints defense, uh, you know, that usual stuff. We don't have to spend any time on it. Round 17, (laughs) of course, I was looking to get... Corey Davis. I've explained this time and time again. I wanted Corey Davis after my kicker and after my defense. Well, he was sniped by Rack City two picks before I went. No problem there. I took a backup tight end. I don't normally do this, but we have added slots because of the COVID. So I thought if I grab Blake Jarwin, he's a guy that I actually kind of do like. And Travis Kelsey could get hurt or he could get COVID. You just never know. Jarwin is a guy that I know is going to be the number one guy in this offense as far as tight ends go. And tight ends do get targeted in Dallas. So it was worth it for me. I went ahead and took Jarwin there. Round 18 was interesting. As the draft progressed and we, you know, we were doing our thing and and because it was live and most of the guys were in person it was paused a few times which is cool by me it gave me a chance to collect my thoughts I got an alert on my phone halfway through the draft that Devontae Freeman had met with or was going to meet with the Jacksonville Jaguars so I had been targeting not Raquel Armstead but Devine Azigbo and I think I said his name right out of Jacksonville but he was taking a few picks before me, or actually one pick before me when I grabbed Naeem Hines in the 14th round. But again, if Freeman gets signed by Jacksonville, you just don't know what's going to happen. You could catch, not lightning in a bottle, because those days are over for Freeman, but Freeman could be a serviceable backup or a guy on the bench. So that rounded up my team. So I will go ahead and read my team out, and then I mentioned I would read some of the other teams as well, and we'll just kind of get your opinion on what you think. Hit me up on Twitter at FFKnowItAll. Email me at KnowItAllFantasyFootball at gmail.com. Let me know what you think of these teams and what you think of the draft overall, and if you think I did the wrong thing by taking Kelsey early and grabbing Kyler Murray in the seventh round, I want to hear about it. Give me some crap. It is totally okay. Um, Again, I did what I thought was best for my team. But again, I want to hear from you and what you think of that. So my starters, Kyler Murray is my quarterback. My running backs will be Ezekiel Elliott and Tariq Cohen. Mike Evans, Calvin Ridley, and Cortland Sutton uh, are my receivers. Cortland Sutton slides into the flex there as we have two wide receivers and a flex for this league. Travis Kelsey, of course, is my tight end. The Saints defense, which I feel could be the number one defense in the NFL this year. And Will Lutz are my starters. On my bench... Four running backs, I have Latavius Murray, Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, Naeem Hines, and Devonta Freeman. I have a backup tight end in Blake Jarwin, and my wide receivers on the bench are Deshaun Jackson, Larry Fitzgerald, 
Preston Williams. So I have a decent amount of guys there, okay? Um, I may pick up a wide receiver and get rid of the backup tight end or maybe get rid of uh, Naeem Hines. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but that's just bench. I'm not worried about it right now. So let's go ahead and look at some of the other teams in the league just so you could see where I um, now the team I go up against I'm not going to tell you who it is until after I read the the players Josh Allen at quarterback Saquon Barkley and Antonio Gibson are the running backs Kenny Galladay and DJ Moore two of my targets at wide receiver are on this team TJ Hawkinson and T.Y. Hilton and you guys know how I felt about T.Y. Hilton as well the Eagles defense and Kaimi Fairbairn is the kicker. That's Chris Henderson. So I go head-to-head with Chris Henderson the very first game. I will let you guys know how that looks and plays out. And then I do want to really quickly read you Rack City. They had the number one pick in the draft. And when they started out with McCaffrey, Mahomes, and Kittle, how the rest of the team looked. So he has, like I said, Mahomes is the quarterback, McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor, Stefan Diggs, Julian Edelman and A.J. Brown wrap up his wide receiver and flex position. George Kittle, of course, is his tight end. The Steeler defense and Ryan Sukup will be his um, his kicker. On the bench, he has Christian Kirk, Anthony Miller, James Washington, and Corey Davis as wide receivers. Not bad. Not bad at all. That's a really solid wide receiver core, in my opinion. Anthony McFarlane Jr., who I like if he gets an opportunity. Chase Edmonds, basically just a backup. Carrion Johnson, we're really not sure what's going on with that. So, and Jamal Williams, guys that I don't know are going to get any kind of um, any kind of work. So, um, I would say that his running backs are a little bit on the shaky side. Although Jonathan Taylor could pop, and if so, he will have a great situation there. So. That will go ahead and close out this episode. I want to thank you guys, as always, for joining me. And once again, making this as popular as it is. We had a great draft, and I will definitely keep you guys posted as to how I do throughout the season. And the rest of the guys that you you know about, at least, in the league. And um, hopefully I'll get some of these guys on the podcast at some point. I still don't know when and if I'm going to start with the guests, but Mike Young will be the first one. I promised it to him, and I will definitely get him on board. We will talk about uh, his winning multiple championships in this highly competitive league, and um, and we'll talk about a bunch of other things, too. His son plays football. At least he did at a high level in high school, so maybe we'll get a little update on that as well. So, Mike, be ready for that. I definitely want to get you on at some point over the season. Chris Henderson as well as we can talk a little Raiders and a little, um, you know, just bounce around the league a little bit. So we'll start to unfold. I'll start to throw some other things out there as the season progresses. But again, thank you all for joining me uh, in making this a successful podcast week in and week out. I will come back at you guys um, on Thursday. But until then, I want you all to continue to do everything that you can do to dominate your lives. See you later. Never look again today.